0: Well, thank you, everybody, so much for joining. This is Pinch Punch First Day of the Month, the 1st of June, 2007, a mere six days until the domain Radio Barbecue. We have already uh, strangled the stoats, and we have bought the flamethrowers, so we are almost, almost set to roll. Uh, I hope that you will make it up. This is your last day, um, if you want to eat at all. Um... And uh, uh, you can uh, uh, RSVP at com forward slash free domain radio. And I hope to see you then. We have a good turnout uh, of people, so I hope that you'll be able to make it. So uh, we're going to start with a little article here, though I guess it's kind of cool to say that we've had 5,500 free domain radio books bought or downloaded in, uh, I guess, since early May, so you know three, three and a bit weeks, which is mondo cool. And so far, it all seems to be working, the idea that I don't advertise, but instead I hand out free books. So far, so good. Thank you again to those who dropped a few shackles my way at the end of last month, uh, recovering FDR from the pit of kidney sales. So uh, thank you so much. Here is an article called The Happiness Gap by Margaret Wenty. And it's uh, – uh, and subtitled is Why Conservatives Are Gasp Happier Than Liberals. And for those who are not in North America, conservatives are generally right-wingy kind of people and liberals are generally socialisty, lefty kind of people, Democrats and Republicans and so on. And uh, I'll pick out some bits from the article which I think is interesting and uh, also uh, I like to quote stuff which supports stuff that I've sa- been saying before because when you make random assertions, it's really nice when you accidentally, in a, in a blindfolded kind of way, hit a target and can come up with some facts afterwards to back them up. That's uh, always fortuitous. So let's get started. Here's a bit of bad news all my latte-loving, liberal-leaning friends who believe that jobs in retail stink – Traditional religion is for morons, and income inequality has made society a lot worse off. You are a miserable bunch. I don't mean miserable as in contemptible. I mean that as a group, you are not particularly happy people. In fact, you're far less likely to be happy with your lives than, say, a gun-owning truck driver who goes to church, shops at Walmart, and makes half the money you do. So says Arthur Brooks, who spent the past few years exploring what makes us happy. This is counterintuitive to urban elites, he says, but we think nobody can be happy but us. Over breakfast earlier this week, Mr. Brooks, a political scientist at Syracuse University, yes, I share your skepticism, shared a few other surprises about happiness. For example, despite their 35-hour work weeks and long vacations, the French are less happy than Americans. Most Americans who work are amazingly happy with their jobs, even if they work at Walmart. Happiness And income are not closely related, Christina. Oh, sorry. My mistake. Um, Church-going people are happier than secular ones. Married people happier than unmarried. And people who give away their money, Christina, are the happiest of all. Sorry?
1: Do you want a bigger allowance?
0: Actually, I just like any kind of allowance. Um, The study of happiness is a thriving field these days. Entire scholarly journals are devoted to the subject as well as tons of books. For his book, Gross National Happiness, Mr. Brooks decided to delve into the data. He discovered mountains of large-scale reliable surveys that go back for decades. According to the data, conservatives are nearly twice as likely as liberals to say they're happy, and this gap has persisted for at least a generation. Who's mocking me? Oh, you. Okay, fair enough. Sorry, I mean, that's bad. Don't mock my wife. That's my job. What explains the happiness gap? Two of the biggest factors are marriage and religion, which are powerfully correlated with happiness. Two-thirds of conservatives are married while only a third of liberals are. Conservatives are also twice as likely to go to a house of worship once a week. There's another factor, too, which he argues centers on worldview. Conservatives generally believe that people who work hard can get ahead and be successful. They believe success is in their own control. Liberals are more inclined to believe in collective solutions to social problems, and that people's success depends on factors outside their control. I compared poor conservatives with rich liberals, he told me. Ninety per cent of poor conservatives say that hard work and perseverance perseverance can overcome disadvantage, but only sixty five percent of rich liberals believe that. So bloody bloody blah, blah. For example, liberals in both countries, in the US and Canada, believe income inequality is our biggest social problem. But Mr Brooks argues that when you look at what actually affects people's happiness, it's not. What makes people miserable is the sense that they don't have equality of opportunity, he says, or take the matter of work. You'd think, especially if you were a professor or a journalist, that sewer cleaners, cleaning ladies, and burger flippers would be unhappy with their jobs. But that's not the case. The data say that 89% of all people who work more than 10 hours a week are happy or very unhappy with their work, excluding internet philosophers who are lucky to work 10 hours a week. (laughs) Rarely work more than 10 hours. I mean, we can skip over that part. The overwhelming majority of people who work like to work. The main reason is that it gives them a sense of achievement. Bloody, bloody, blah. It turns out that your mother was right. Ah, wait, sorry, not my mother. Happiness has very little to do with materialistic stuff at all. It mostly comes, and I shudder to say these words, from family, faith, friends, and the dignity. ...of work. There is a truth that Mr. Brooks thinks the urban elites ought to try to grasp. The majority of people are very happy with these yucky traditional values. They work very well. Who then are the unhappiness, unhappiest of them all? Look in the mirror, dear reader, for it may be you. Researchers have found that lifetime happiness is shaped like a U. It has a big sag in the middle. Statistically, the saddest year in a man's life is age 44, he tells me merrily. By then, your spouse has figured out that you're a bore. You're not that fun, and you're not going to change. You have adolescents in the house, and you found that success and money aren't the same thing. For men, all these chickens come home to roost in their mid to late 40s. Women also have a middle-aged slump, but they tend to suffer somewhat less. If you are 44, I have good news. Soon you will be 50, and things will start looking up. Happiness studies show that healthy people who are 70 are just as happy as people who are 20. By the end of breakfast, Mr. Brooks had explained why almost everything I believed when I was 20 was entirely wrong. Many of the things I thought would bring me happiness did not, and many of the things I despised, e.g. marriage, did. So, what now? Alas, I'm not religious. Is there any other way to increase my happiness? Yes, he tells me. Be philanthropic. I think, does that mean join an orchestra? No. People who volunteer... Or give money to charity are 43% more likely than non givers to say they are very happy. And read that again. It's a very important statistic. And again, it's just a statistic, who knows, right? But let's say that it's important. People who volunteer or give money to charity are 43% more likely than non givers to say they are very happy. Conservatives are more charitable than liberals, which is another reason why they're happier. And the more you give, the happier you get. In other words, merely, uh, money really can buy happiness after all, but only if you give it away. I just sort of wanted to mention that because I've, I've – this is not to get you to donate. This is because you know, it's the beginning of the month, so I'll lay off you all for a bit. But it's just so that you understand. I'm actually trying to uh, encourage happiness through this kind of stuff. There's a perception, I guess, that's floating around. Maybe people who don't know my history. Uh, question? Comment? Moral of the story, give up all your worldly possessions to staff. Well, that's true. Uh, I will actually take other worldly possessions as well. Demonic possession, uh, for instance. Pretty cool. Um, but there's something that's interesting, and maybe it's from people who don't know as much about the history of, of FDR. But, I mean, as you all know, I, I had a real job with a really fine income, <laughs> which I sort of gave away three quarters of to start uh, FDR, And so, you know, it's funny because people sort of say, well, Steph asks for money and therefore he's net positive from FDR. Uh, But of course, FDR is a huge charity for me as it is to to other people. And I would say, given the income disparity that I accepted, nobody's given more money to FDR than I have, (laughs) if that makes any sense. And this doesn't mean that I'm sacrificing and so on. It's just a reality that by giving away three quarters of my income, I gained an enormous amount. Of happiness and that's uh, it 's nice to see some of that those statistics uh, sort of out there that and the people who donate say that it 's the same kind of thing uh, because of course uh, money won 't buy you happiness it 's a means to an end but charity uh, volunteering and it doesn 't have to be money i mean if you, it doesn 't have to be fdR whatever you Give to extravagantly, whether it's some other charity or, you know, you go and uh, become a candy striper at your local hospital or you go and read uh, books for the blind or whatever it is that you do, it just makes you happy. And uh, uh, volunteerism, charity and so on, uh, the generosity of spirit, all the stuff that makes Ayn Rand creakily arise from her smoky grave and come and attempt to strangle us with accusations of altruism. Uh, Those uh, things uh, make you happy. (laughs) uh, I'm not even going to try and put out a theory now as to why, but uh, I hope that that sort of makes some sense. I do find it very interesting, and I think that it's true, at least it's true in my experience, that the religious people are happier than the non-religious people. I think that's true. Uh, I think in in my experience, uh, people who have uh, uh, some sort of faith... Um, in, in something bigger or higher or larger than themselves, uh, tend to be sort of happier than, you know, petty, annoying, materialistic, left-wing, socialist materialists. Uh, they're just <laughs> – materialists are annoying. Uh, they tend to be kind of stingy. Uh, they tend to, to be pretty deterministic. Uh, they tend to be pretty dour, as this sort of study tends to, to indicate – and again, you know, take it all with a grain of salt. So the fact that it happens to mesh with my experience makes it completely true. No, all it means is that it meshes with my experience. And uh, the, the reason for that, I mean, I would say, is that illusion is still better than nihilism, right? I mean, and there's something so fundamentally nihilistic about that petty, annoying, socialistic, left-wing materialism. And at least there's... Some stuff – and I've got a sort of podcast and video in the works about this. It's on deck for the next week or two, which is a, a list of everything that religion gets right. And, and we've talked about some of this before, so I'll just touch on it briefly here. But we all know from the Miko system that we can ask questions of ourselves and get answers that are unexpected and incredibly wise. And religion gets that right. And religion links you into something that is larger than yourself, which of course is in fact your deep and true self metaphorically projected into the sky – But the petty uh, lefty materialists don't even get anything like that, and they live this very sort of shallow, surface, annoying life. And so, to me, it would make sense that people who have a faith in a a kind of God end up being happier than those annoying communist materialists uh, who just seem to walk around with their jaws clenched almost as tight as their asses and uh, seem to be very negative when it comes to... um, uh, you know, pulling down values of any kind and also tend to be depressingly uh, – the locus of control for a human being is, is, is not within themselves. At least the uh, religious people believe that you have a soul and you can choose, but a lot of the materialists go towards this economics as determinism, uh, 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 the determinism as determinism and so on, which strips a lot of the joy, beauty and wonder out of human life that at least religion to some degree retains. Now, Obviously, as a strong atheist, religion is a lie, but it's a nicer lie than the lie of lefty materialism, and I think that's one of the reasons why uh, these people are happier. I think, of course, that what we're trying to do is to capture some of the depth and power that is projected into religious fantasy and reclaim it for materialism. I mean that's certainly been my goal, to take the glories and some of the beauties of religion and some of the efficiencies of religion, which is you pray and you get – uh, responses back, which is really the the purpose and course of the uh, of Miko system conversations, to reclaim that glory and beauty and take it out of illusion and put it back into a rational philosophy, I think, has certainly been one of my goals, and it's nice to see that there does seem to be some uh, validation of this uh, in general. And the last thing that I'll say is that the podcasts where I unabashedly rocket myself into the stratosphere of of history and and the big picture of what it is that we're doing, the grandeur of this philosophical conversation and so on, the podcasts where I just, you know, let myself, let all restraints go free, cast all modesty to the wind and talk about the glory and the power and the beauty of what it is that we're doing, the unprecedented nature of this conversation, that tends to be, or those tend to be the podcasts which most add the rocket fuel to people's jetpacks of joy. And... When we take ourselves out of the pettiness of our daily life and we put ourselves, we plug ourselves into the broad sweep of history and the grand scheme and the grand journey and the grand destination of human thought, then we plug ourselves into something much larger than we are and that elevates and it expi- inspires and it expands us and it makes us deeper and it makes us more brilliant and it makes us more powerful and it makes us happier because we overcome the pettiness of the everyday and plug ourselves into the grand electric arc of human thought, and that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And that's something that religious people get much more easily than secular lefties do. Uh, So that to me would also make sense. I think that we can get a lot more joy than the religious people, of course, because grandeur plus truth is better than grandeur plus Jewish zombies. So uh, I would say that uh, this article is very interesting it certainly conforms to a lot of my experience that uh, giving up money for the sake of truth and virtue and that which really means something in this world is uh, uh, is a beautiful and wonderful and, and inspiring and exciting thing. And that uh, just being sort of deterministic and materialistic means a net loss in joy, and uh, that certainly has been Uh, my experience as well so I just sort of wanted to put that out there it's an interesting article, I'll post the link to it if I can find it on the board but it's in um, the Globe and Mail for Saturday, May 31st, 2008 Globeandmail.com I think is the website So I just wanted to uh, mention that up front and uh, now you've had enough time uh, to come up with uh, questions uh, comments, issues, problems and so on, so I hope that you will uh, ask them Hi, Steph.
2: Carl here. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. How about you? Good, thank you. Um, yeah, the the religious grandeur and glory and uh, all that. It's I mean, one can certainly get that. I mean, I get a lot of that through music. And at the same time, you can get you know, a sense of what's bigger than yourself, uh, and also, you know, access to real emotions. Uh, you know, hopefully, some some musicians don't get that, but uh, I really enjoy the ones who do. So, both of those things, I, I I really enjoy getting through music, you know.
0: And I'm sorry, I just want to explain that for people who are listening later or who don't know Carl's history, uh, Carl is actually a plumber, but what he's referring to <laughs> is the musical podcasts at FDR, uh, and that's really the only music that he knows and is referring to just so people can understand that uh, in a larger context. But uh, and, and certainly, uh, I have found, based on the feedback, that the musical podcasts at FDR certainly do seem to stimulate some genuine emotion, mostly rage and disgust. So I just wanted to to sort of back that up, uh, but please go on.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. um, (laughs) The Podcast 500, I think, has got to be the most uh, moving um, podcast.
0: (laughs) Well, certainly, Uh, and I think that it has, again, according to a number of reports that I've gotten from the field – it has actually it's not only moving to you but it's also spontaneously called caused bowel movements in other people sometimes in public once on a bus and once in an elevator so it certainly has the power of movement for sure movements and tears oh there are tears <laughs> there are in fact tears <laughs> so uh and
2: uh yeah i think you mentioned orchestra in there but i've been uh playing in orchestras for uh most of my musical career and uh i'm finally as some people know already um uh taking a large break this summer, three or four months off of uh, orchestra playing. In fact, any work at all. So um, I'm just going to be uh, just trying to clean out all of that dysfunction that gets thrown around between the conductor and players and between the different players. And just, uh, you know, the best I can come up with is indifference when I'm you know playing in orchestras. So, except every once in a while there is that grandeur when you're part of something larger. That's when it's working, when you have a good conductor, a good piece. And, uh, you know, a great place to perform, then it can be just incredible. You're part of, you are part of something larger than yourself and you just kind of sit back and enjoy that while you're doing it, actually. But that doesn't happen often enough to make it worth
0: it. So, right, and as far and, as I understand it as well, you'll be working on free domain Radio, the musical, for most of the summer, right? Oh, and absolutely, you, yeah. You, did you get my audition tape where I can do the entire chorus line with myself and three hand mirrors? Uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I just, I figured, you know, that, that, you, that you, Greg, uh, M will Greg Vinton will write the uh, uh music and you'll write the lyrics and I'll just, you know, take the credit. So.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Well, that <laughs> sounds uh, like a good FDR project.
2: <laughs> but um so yeah, I'm I'm uh, going to be basically just relaxing this summer, but I'm, you know, I'm definitely very devoted to uh FDR. So I hope that whatever I'm doing is is I think is going to be good for the community. So, uh you know, I I might be traveling around, visiting some people or whatever. So,
0: Excellent. And you can say, I got into this philosophy site and now I'm unemployed, um, Would you right, also like. you know, my money that's like my it's... experience as well, so uh, <laughs> perhaps we could uh, take the touring band, right?
2: Yeah, practical philosophy, actually, you know, practical wisdom. Exactly.
0: Oh, that reminds me, uh, the book uh, Practical Anarchy uh, is, is coming along very nicely. I uh, just, just wanted everyone to know. Uh, it's not going to be a small tome, I can guarantee you that. I'm already at about 30,000 words, which is uh, longer than... Uh, everyday anarchy, but at least I have covered the first topic. So, <laughs> which is uh, an introduction of me. But anyway, so <laughs> just wanted to mention that. Sorry, go ahead. No,
2: I, th- I think I think I'm pretty much done. Unless uh, you have any other questions about that. But
0: uh, well, what, oh, are your plans for the, uh, what are Sorry, what are your plans for the summer?
2: Well, basically, I, I decide I'm just really going to just start out, unplug the phones. Uh, not Skype though. But uh, unplug the cell phone and the main phone and just uh, wake up in the morning and, and say, you know, what do I want? And, or what do I want to do? And, of course, that ends up also being, of course, who do I want? So working on the relationships in my life and making sure that, um, you know, they're
0: either good or gone. So uh, but. Uh, so what you're basically saying is you're going to spend the summer trawling for man candy. Is that right? Oh, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> I understand.
2: (laughs) But, uh, yeah, well, you know, uh, (laughs) you got me there. Um, but, um, now where was I? Boy, now I'm totally distracted. But uh, um, why? Did you see some man candy? Do you want to call me back in a few minutes? <laughs> no, just in my in my mind's eye. That's all I can see now. is just all this right. man candy. But, Steph um, holding a pair of tires, slowly turning. Sorry, go on. <laughs> that well, should, I, I actually, that should I cure pict- whatever image you have. So sorry. Well, I, I was picturing you wearing a thong, actually. But um, <laughs> wow, I'm dressing
0: up at the moment. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but um, yeah, because it's funny because when I first posted at FDR, it was about a year ago. In fact, I started really getting the sense of freedom, uh, you know, just right around that my first anniversary of posting on the board, and uh, inspired. I think a few days after uh, Greg M's Defu as well, and um, I uh, let's see. So, so I remember like I, when I, fir- I wrote my first post a year ago in May, and I and I I was gonna I was re- previewing it or something, and then I lost it because I was previewing it, trying to be perfect, making sure it looked okay, and blah 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 and then i was just incredibly angry cuz i was i thought it was a good post and uh i was like upset and i yelled in the mirror what do you want you know like you idiot <laughs> and uh but actually that was exactly the question i need to start asking myself cuz i so often am doing what other people want and trying to make them feel good and you know being concerned about their anxiety and all that kind of stuff so i've really been working on that especially the last 6 months but uh, you know in that last year so i feel like i'm now at a point where i just kind of uh I've come to a point where I can just i can just pretty much do what I want, and at least for three or four months, and we'll see what happens.
0: I, I think that's wonderful, and I also think that, uh, I mean, I've always got the sense from you, Carl, that you're a person who's capable of great affection and devotion, so I would definitely go into, you know, if, if the relationship thing opens up for you at all, I would definitely go in with an extraordinary amount of confidence in the values, gifts, and treasures that you'll be able to bring to somebody else. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Christina's nodding and saying, "Can you teach some of that to Steph?" I'm not sure what that means. Hmm, well, well, the hands-on approach, perhaps. Oh. <laughs> right. Well, you know, uh, now now that I don't have a steady income, I'm just man candy anyway. So I have to go to the gym so much. So um, exactly right. As long as the abs, I abs are bring abs the money, are. but I can bring the abs. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> as long as the abs are absolute. Yes,
2: absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think that's just about the all The closest I,
0: I come to laundry is this washboard right here. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else you wanted to talk about, or should we cut this short before it goes completely downhill?
2: Oh, yeah, I, I, I could, it could get uh, uh, problematic. No, that's great, though. Thank you very much.
0: All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, if anybody else has a comment or question, question uh, who's not currently fainted, uh, <laughs> that would be great.
3: Hello? No. Hello? Hi. 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 Um, I had a question for Christina, if that's okay.
0: Uh Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah,
1: let's
3: just wow.
0: switch hang on one sec.
1: Hello.
3: Hi, hi. I'm i after some um expert opinion. Not that Steph ah. isn't an expert, I'm sure, but um particularly in the in the uh, psychotherapy uh, area basically i'm um looking to begin a, a four-year ma course Ooh. in psychotherapy and uh, yeah i know it's some serious business and um i have an open day to go and, and look around and, and and see what the the different aspects of the course are and i'm wondering if you could like tell me a few things about because i've done some research obviously in the different uh, courses that they offer but if you could provide any extra information or some questions that you think I should ask or just just, just basically uh, talk me through, you know, any, any, give me any help that you could, that would be very much appreciated.
1: What area of
3: psychology a, are
1: you interested in?
3: Well, um, <clears throat> again, I, I'm not incredibly technical, so that's part of the, part of what I'm after is kind of demystifying the uh, the terms. Because they, they've got three courses. One is uh, gestalt psychotherapy, mm-hmm. one is humanistic, person-centered, mm-hmm. and one is uh, integrative psychotherapy. So if you could sort of <laughs> possibly perhaps give me a, a layman's uh, explanation of those, uh, that would be appreciated very much.
1: I don't practice any of those right types of psychotherapy um um the humanistic and the gestalt um you know those were founded um i think probably around the 50s or the 60s or maybe even a little earlier um and uh I do think that every every type of every therapy or every movement in therapy has brought something forward to psychology. Um, a lot of therapists. It's it's interesting because I attended a a workshop a couple of years ago and and it was called What Works in Psychotherapy and and um, the authors of the book who were also running the workshop. You know, did lots and lots of studies and examined very many different kinds of, of uh, psychotherapy. And, and uh, they also looked at outcome studies for the different types of therapy. And they, they talked to different therapists in, in uh, different fields. And essentially, you know, everybody says, oh, I practice this kind of therapy, whether it's gestalt right. or humanistic or, or cognitive behavioral or interpersonal or psychodynamic or what have you. And then when they get behind closed doors, they do a little bit of everything so very right, right. few people are actually very <laughs> true to their, to their training <laughs> okay.
4: um,
1: I, like I said I don't know I did a component on gestalt therapy and a component on humanistic therapy I didn't do anything on integrative psychotherapy so I don't even know, I can't even speak to that at all um, but they're not my areas of interest and I wouldn't be I wouldn't be the best person to answer any questions around, on those two specific types of, or three specific types of therapy
3: okay, fair enough um I mean, if if you were go, again to 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 do an MA, you know, mm-hmm. four-year course. I mean, what what sort of things would you need to know from them? You know, I mean, I've got questions of sort of what percentage of people complete the course. You know, um, when do they go after that course? You know, is there a, a more direct route into um, becoming a therapist? You know, at what percentage should people convert? and go straight into practicing therapy from the course and things like that. I mean, do you have, do you, can you think of anything that I might have? Um,
1: <laughs> I assume missed? that you have a, an undergraduate degree.
3: Yes, yes.
1: In, is it in psychology?
3: No, it's not. It's in um, economics.
1: <laughs> okay, so well, you're I, starting I from, yeah. I, just,
3: I I'm starting somewhat from scratch.
1: That's that. Well, that, that's, you know, I mean, I did have a woman in my program who had a, an undergraduate degree in, in English. And uh, she ended up at, uh, you know, at the end of our program winning the Distinguished uh, Students Award for, you know, for her work in psychology. So um, it really, you know, <laughs> um, it doesn't really I've matter. Got, I think I've,
3: yeah, I think I've got the um, abilities. So I'm, I'm right. not particularly worried on, on that score. But yeah, I mean, it is somewhat of a... Um, switch, <laughs> as you might say.
1: Right, right, right. Um, I was. I, was I think basically, I mean, you're you're going to need some courses with uh, some some theory and some um, some background, of course, in developmental psychology. You probably want to get some uh, some courses in personality and uh, human development, that kind of thing, um, and. You know, I mean, I guess uh, when you're uh, here, uh, here, I don't. I assume that you're doing this in the UK. Yes, yes. Yeah, here, um, in order to get into a graduate program in psychology, if you don't have an, any undergraduate training in psychology, you have to take some extra courses that will give you the basics, um, so that you can get some of the fundamental principles underlining psychological theories. And then it, the programs. This? Sorry, the, the, you you there's applied and there's and then there's. Um, there is research, so um, it depends on what you want to do. I mean, a program in clinical psychology uh, will teach you. Like I said, here we had different components, and and we do internships. Um, I assume that there will be internships and and uh, that kind of yeah. thing with you guys as well. It's been so long um, since I've been part of academia.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Um. Well, one of the one of the issues that I possibly had was that it's a it's a part time course. Hmm. So whether that will be... Oh, I mean, did I lose connection? No. Oh, sorry.
1: No, did I? What?
3: No, no, no. So sorry. So I'm, Hello
1: there. Sorry about that. I lost the connection. The last thing I heard you say was that it's a part-time course you're taking. Yes,
3: yes, yes, yes. It's a part-time course. So, and um, adding it up, um, it, it's, it's something along the lines of a... Um, wait, one. So something along the lines of um, thirty to forty total days of teaching. So one thing that slightly concerns me is whether it's a, a a proper course or not. So it's so it's about forty days a year of presumably face time with trained um, therapists. It says that it's it's an accredited course.
1: Right. I was just gonna. I was just gonna mention that you got If you if you if you want to become licensed again here in North America, you need to attend uh, a university that is uh, accredited by the American or the Canadian Psychological Association, um, so that you can then pursue your registration. And I, I would assume that in in England or the UK, that you would want to pursue uh, your career in an accredited university.
3: Well. Right. Um- whether this is a good or, or bad issue. The, the, the um, university, it's, there is no um, governmental accreditation, but it's, it's an accredited member of something called the uh, United Kingdom Council for Psychotherapy. So oh. it, there's no kind of... <laughs>
1: Right, right, right. Now, I mean, I don't know. I mean, here we have we have uh, bodies of uh, that regulate psychological practice, and I'm not I'm not governed by by. There isn't anything. There's no governmental um, uh, authority here, but it's the College of Psychologists of Ontario uh, that will issue the license, and um, they will. Require the applicants to have uh, their education from an accredited university. So, if you want to get registered with a with a psychology organization, you would look into the um, the university's accreditation with the psychological association in your in your district.
3: Yes. Yeah. And I, I think that's what this. I think that's what this is. So, th- but basically, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm going to find out more on the open day, but mm-hmm. I'm just. Um, I, I don't want to get Taken by a kind of fly-by-night uh, situation,
1: right, right, right.
3: I, I, I looked. One thing that concerned me again. I looked um, at the, the the people that they um, have trained in the past, and I think one of them was something um, had had a practice that that um, said that they they practiced uh, hypnotherapy, mm-hmm. which concerned me slightly because I'm not I'm not sure if whether that is as um, What's the word? I don't know whether that is works or not.
1: There is, um, there is a growing literature and, and uh, treatment uh, with with hypnotherapy. It is a type of psychotherapy or a type of therapy or a type of treatment module. Um, some people are strictly hypnotherapists. Some people uh, do some hypnotherapy along with the, like I said, everybody does sort of eclectic kinds of work. So some people might yeah, do yeah, yeah. some yeah. hypnotherapy along with their other types of therapy. Um, I, I worked with... Um, he was the, uh, the director of the psychology program at one of the hospitals that I was at. And he was, uh, he did hypnotherapy. Um, he did it for a period of time in his career. And then he moved on to different things as he found different interests. So, he, you know, it worked. Uh, he had some success with it. And then he moved on to other areas.
3: Well, um, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for your help anyway. I'll, um, You're very welcome. I'll, Good luck. Oh, good. Yeah, thank you very much. I'll let um someone else have a have a okay. go at uh, talking by the now. Thank you. Bye.
1: Great. Bye bye.
0: I also just wanted to mention to those who become interested in therapy through Free Domain Radio through the Ask a Therapist series that the amount of voluntary tax, which is in fact involuntary, that Free Domain Radio charges on a per hourly basis for your clients is very reasonable. So Ah, uh, we'll just uh, get you a letter out about that.
3: Don't I'll worry. Um, I'll, I'll wear a I'll I'll wear a t shirt as I practice.
0: There we go. And Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. And and really that's all you should wear. Um, <laughs> to get the right message across. Well thanks. And right, do keep right. us posted. Best of luck with it uh, for sure. I mean a key thing of course is can you can you bill insurance companies, right? If you come out and you're accredited to the point where you can legitimately bill insurance companies, that's a big differentiator. So I'd well, certainly it's the, be sure about it's that. The,
3: um it's the NHS over here, it's all uh, socialised medicine
0: well that's true but that that doesn't mean that everyone yeah it doesn't mean that everyone can set themselves up and build the NHS though right, I mean I can't sort of say hey I'm a therapist because I put the word therapist on my business card and therefore I can build the NHS, so I just make sure that you can get into that system for sure
3: right, and well well, yeah Hmm. will will that, no I suppose sorry I'm thinking to myself of the hypocrisy issues involved
0: Oh, don't sweat that. I mean, if you can do stuff to help people uh, uh, live oh, a more rational a and healthy life and be better parents, uh, you know, who, who cares? I mean, can't that's, control yeah, that, can't be a therapist without it, so I wouldn't care. I wouldn't worry about that myself.
3: Right, right, right. That's, that, that is the, that's the point, after all, isn't it? You know,
0: I mean, they take your money. Uh, I don't know that they should mm-hmm. take your profession and your peace of mind as well.
3: Right, of course. Of course. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you both
0: of you. You're very welcome. And keep us posted. And uh, now we do have another space on deck for anybody else who has a comment or a question or issue or problem, or just mad praise for my haircut. It's completely up to you.
5: Alrighty, I got a question. Can I be heard? Uh, sure. All right. uh, Private property. Um, I I just got done reading a book called "What Is Property." by Pierre-Joseph Produn. Um, for people, I, I guess everybody knows who he is. Nobody doesn't know who he is. He was a 19th century anarchist. Um, he, he wrote this book and he created this, uh, like a dichotomy of property. Um, hello? Hi. Uh, okay. I thought I cut off there. Uh, but, he uh, he he said that uh, there's two kinds of property. There's, there's proprietorship and there's uh, possessions. And what he, meant, what he meant by proprietorship was uh, I guess state property and what he meant by possessions was pretty much what, what a mar- market anarchist would, would interpret as property. Uh, the, kind of the fruits of your labor. Uh, but he also kind of threw in there that um, you don't have any right to charge usury or rent, um, or, or or inheritance, or anything like that, on your on your personal possessions. Uh, likewise, he 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 tried to distinguish uh, what can be a possession, what can't be a possession. Uh, anything that that they would classify as a means of production uh, could not be a a personal possession. So I'm thinking, like, okay, what if what if I have a truck that's mine? Uh, could somebody technically come and you know, take my truck if they claim it as a means of production? I mean, do I have a well, right? Well, I'm
0: sorry. I, uh, and I know this is the property is theft guy, but, I mean, just, just saying stuff doesn't prove it, right? So, for instance, why, why is it wrong to charge usury? What's his argument for that? Uh,
5: his argument is that um, w- w- what happens is you uh, somebody else is making use of the property. Uh, to him, uh, whoever else is laboring with that property is giving it value. And you're just kind of uh, siphoning, siphoning off the value uh, that the other person is putting on it. It's a really, it's a really strange argument. I'm just
0: well, sorry, just, it's not that strange. It's it's the Marxist argument, which is that the creator of the factory and the person who has deferred his spending in order to accumulate the capital to invest in the uh, fixed equipment in the factory, that the capitalist is not adding anything to the equation by providing the worker with a factory, but is instead Uh, by paying the worker less than what the worker is producing, is parasitical. Uh, That's a standard Marxist argument, and Produn is certainly in that category.
5: Right. Uh, Though I wouldn't, reading Produn, I wouldn't really classify him as that hardcore of a Marxist, uh, because he he also made some arguments that are not exactly Marxist. I mean, this guy, the book seems like a whole contradiction to me. I mean... Uh, he says one thing and then he says the other. I just, I guess I'm asking, like, what is, I know the economic arguments, uh, the efficiency arguments um, to, to take that down. But what is the, I guess, the, the good uh, uh, argument for morality on that, um, especially the possessions thing and why we can't charge the usury or, or rent out our, our stuff?
0: Yeah, I mean the, the usury argument uh, – I mean there's two approaches that I would take and usury is uh, something – that just means lending out money uh, and charging interest uh, primarily, although it can mean goods. But mostly it means capital. Uh, usury was uh, banned throughout the Dark Ages and the Middle Ages because there was a Catholic ban on, on usury. It was considered to be theft uh, because – well, for a variety of reasons, but primarily because – uh, the economy was stagnant, and so people – oh, it went all kinds of quiet there. Hello?
5: Uh, I'm still here.
0: Oh, are you, okay, good. Uh, I'm here. So that uh, – what happened to the economy was stagnant. So if, if I lend you 10 doubloons and then a year from now I expect you to pay 11 back – Because of the zero-sum game concept of the economy that was common in the Middle Ages and the Catholic ban, and Muslims have this ban as well, even even now on lending to Muslims, Um, it was considered to be theft that if I give you 10 doubloons now and I ask for 11 back in a year, that I'm stealing a doubloon from you. And so it was banned in the Christian community um, until the post-Reformation era. And um, uh, this is, of course, one of the reasons why... Uh, Jews became so prominent in the world of finance because Jews don't have the ban on usury and therefore they became the money lenders and also Jews were barred from holding land as a, or you know, property other than their dwelling and place of business. So again, they were also moved towards that. So the ban on usury is, is long, old and venerable in terms of Western traditions and people view usury with suspicion uh, or lending for interest. And of course, it arises from a a lack of understanding of the time value of money. The reason that I will borrow money to buy a house uh, and pay interest back is that I get the value of living in the house and that's what I'm paying for. Like if it takes right. me 20 years to save for a house, then I can save that and not pay a penny in interest, but all I have to do then is pay for some place to live. So it actually doesn't help me that much. On the other right, hand… The if, time if, preference. Yeah, it's the time preference. And, and if you don't understand the time preference in terms of value, then it looks like a ripoff. Uh, there's right. this thing, too, where people who have insurance policies who are struck with a terminal illness, that there are these groups who will buy out their insurance policy for you know, 50 cents on the dollar before they die. And these are considered to be predatory and it's stealing and, of course, it's not. It's just that the ultimate time value for money is I'd sure like to have some before I'm dead rather than afterwards when it's just going to molder with me in the grave. So uh, right. so if, if Proudhon doesn't understand the time value of money, then he's going to have a problem with usury. Um, and, of course, the question for any anarchist who says you can't lend money at interest is – Says who, right? I mean, (laughs) who's going to stop me? Are you going to create a a, a government that's going to make it illegal? I mean, how is he supposed to say we should have no government, but there are these universal evil banned things that we can – the moment you have universal evil banned things, especially that that don't require the initiation of the use of force, which voluntary contract, which is what usury really is – as soon as you have an anarchist saying these voluntary contracts are wrong, immoral and should be illegal, then of course he's no longer an anarchist, right?
5: Right, uh, well, I mean what, what he was saying is uh, when he was talking about capitalism I mean he was talking about the mercantilist uh, version of it uh, as a lot of them do um, you know, because the term has been kind of bastardized <laughs> uh, to capitalism itself uh, over, the, over the years, and um, What he's saying is that, well, uh, this only exists because uh, people have uh, property and and property is the theft because it's granted by the state, which means uh, he's saying state property is theft, which I agree with. Um, His whole argument is that, um, and I understand the time preference thing. I mean, um, I look at it as if you want to buy a house uh, and you have to save for it, by definition, it becomes a future good and what the what the uh capitalist or the the uh, the lender does is brings that future good into your present and he charges a fee for that you know why And not? it's
0: cost him to do that right the money right. that the bank has used to buy my house is money that it has lost and therefore I should pay recompense for that because otherwise if i can't Uh, borrow money for a house at interest then the bank will never buy a house because it will just go and invest it somewhere else where it can actually make money so there won't actually be a house right so it's one of these things where there's no alternative to to lending for money uh, lending for interest and there's just no house there's no transaction otherwise
5: right and plus you know that's just one transaction I mean there's an an economy full of you know billions of people I mean that literally runs the economy (laughs) you know it makes it move uh, but, yeah,
0: now, I mean, uh, his his, uh, his distinction between public and private property, uh, there, there's no such thing as public property. I mean, th- because there's no such thing as the public, right? I mean, there, there's only who has use and control of property, and there are some people who have a legitimate claim to property, and there are other people who just shoot you if you try to establish a a claim to the property that they have unjustly acquired, and that, of course, would be the definition of public property. And, of course, I'm sure that Proudhon and you and I and most other reasonable uh, philosophers would agree that uh, the aristocracy is is based upon the spoils of war and public ownership is based upon prior predation of the body politic and so on. So, uh, yeah, for sure. But you can, I mean, you don't have to have a rule against public property if you don't have a government, because if you don't have a government, there's no such thing as public property, right? Everything's right. owned except that which has no value, uh, or can't be owned, like air.
5: Well, see, the thing with Prodn is, uh, yes, he, I mean, he's he's with us on. Uh, he was totally against state property, and again, I agree, state property is theft um, by definition. Plus, state can't have property when you really think about it. And um, the, but what he does is he kind of replaces that uh, I guess quote-unquote public domain of property uh, with 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 the community Uh, his whole argument is well if you have and you've probably heard this a million times if you have a a bunch of uh, individual property owners um, nobody if all the property on earth is taken because land is limited it's scarce um, then uh, if you're born into a, a situation where all the property is owned then you're truly not free. Um, I, I, what I'm asking for is I know all the efficient, the, all the arguments from efficiency on that, uh, but um, I mean I think you already gave it to me. But uh, the, the the philosophical, uh, logical argument from reality, I think that's that's a better argument. Um, well,
0: and it's certainly not true to say that land is scarce. I mean. The world is vastly underpopulated as far as the distribution of land goes. I mean, the United States, uh, less than – like about 2% of the land mass of the United States is inhabited by human beings. I mean, it's not all Manhattan. Uh, Canada, it's like, I don't know, a tenth of a percent or – it's like tiny. I mean, even with the massive amount of increased population that we've had over the last uh, uh, century or two um, – uh, we're in no danger of running out of land and this population growth thing is not a problem not an issue at all and uh, so it's you know maybe in you know five thousand years it might be an issue but if you put a, a standard density of your average american city if i remember this rightly and it's something like this though it may, i may not have got it perfect but if you take your average dense human density of the average american city you could take the entire world's population and put it in texas so it's you know land is not uh, is not particularly short. Uh, we're not wall to wall in terms of being uh, having access to lands and, and resources. And of course, you are free uh, if you're born into a situation where everything is owned because your parents own your house. Uh, therefore, you have some place to grow up in, and you can trade with whoever you want uh, to expand your land ownership if you want. Uh, people can build stuff on the moon, they can go to space stations, <laughs> they can build new islands if they want. Uh, I mean, there's, there's no... I don't think that there's any particular issue to say, well, if everything's owned, then nobody's free, because that's a situation... Sorry?
5: Uh, sorry, I was going to think... I, 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 I was going to say, I think it's just a typical Marxist thought to where they believe uh, in a free market that wealth only flows in one direction. You know? Uh, and that's whoever uh, produces. And uh, certainly that's not the case, um, but it's it's kind of that uh, – I guess that in a way that comes from some elements of classical economists too uh, because they focus like almost all on production, but um, I, that, that seems to be the – I mean like when, when, when people tax you, that's wealth flowing in one direction. You know, well, but. sorry,
0: there's one other thing. I mean, the, um, Proudhon and other of these kinds of thinkers, they came out of the late 17th, uh, early 18th century t- fears of Malthusianism, right? This idea that agricultural productivity only goes up in a linear fashion, but hu- the growth of a human population grows uh, goes up asymptotically, and therefore you will always end up with starvation and this and that and the other. And uh, what they're talking about where property is owned or land is owned, what they're actually talking about is, you know, viable and useful and productive arable land from a farming standpoint, right? And uh, that, I think, is, uh, is a very different situation. Uh, and, of course, the Malthusian doctrine turned out to be completely and utterly false, uh, like all of this stuff that, that occurred 18th and 19th centuries, particularly late, up until sort of the mid to late 19th century, late 18th for about a century. Um, like after Adam Smith, the people just came up with a huge amount of bullshit, for like 200 years, That's you know sort of my particular opinion. Uh, so you got Malthusianism, uh, you having you could count uh, America too. But Malthusianism, you've got uh, uh, Marxism, uh, you've got um, uh, a lot of the other 19th century philosophers. Just they came up with just massive amounts of indigestible tripe. Uh, and uh, it 's just something that happens when philosophy gets close to the truth. what happens is a huge bunch of a bunch of reactionary forces come swarming out of the woodwork to cloud up the muck and we 've certainly cloud up the the clearing air right we 've certainly seen that uh, quite a bit around what we do as well so i 'm sorry to well, interrupt there, but, uh,
5: yeah no that 's that's, that's perfectly correct because um, it 's like there 's a lot of things in the economy that 's unseen you know that 's kind of invisible and I mean, if, you, if you're the labor and you don't, if you're the labor and you just go clocking and do your job and earn your wages, I mean, you don't really see what the, what the capitalist does, you know, um, that he, he, in fact, he and the demand and society is the reason you have your job. You know, that it's just, it's all that invisible stuff that they don't see. And I think that's what, I think that's what brings up all this, um, well, like you said, bullshit.
0: Well, they, but they do see it, right? I mean, they, they do see it. Even the, even the workers who resent – everybody wants to get paid more. Everybody thinks they're undervalued. That's a, just a natural uh, piece of – I mean, sure, Bill Gates feels that he should get 10 cents more a month. I don't know. But, but everybody feels underpaid. That's just natural. That's inevitable because we have a deeper sense of our own worth and value than other people do. But um, – uh, oh, yeah. I mean, the workers, uh, they completely understand the value that the capitalist is bringing to them. Uh, the reason that we know that is because they're not sitting there saying, well, screw this, I'm going to make my own factory, right? (laughs) I mean, so of course they understand the value that the capitalist is bringing to bear. Uh, If they say, well, if I move my hand Back and forth like this. If a capitalist inserts a machine into my grip, then I make a lot of money. But they, they say, well, it's the muscle movement that makes so much money. It's like, well, why don't they just stand by their bed in the morning and do that and see how much money they make, right? Well, prior to webcams, not right. so, so much, right? So what,
5: what, I, what I was talking about is uh, like if somebody if somebody works in retail and they make like 8 bucks an hour, I mean they see if the store is selling well. Uh, They see all these thousands of dollars coming in right, through the cash registers and whatnot, and they're getting paid $8 an hour. And a lot of them think, uh, you know, we're we're getting all this wealth coming in. I mean, where is it all going? Why are we only getting paid $8 an hour? Um, Well, yeah,
0: what they do is they look across the floor like if you're a waiter – And you're working in a restaurant that's making thousands of dollars a day. And you look at the other waiters and you say, well, without us, there'd be no restaurant, so we should make more money. But that's, of course, a fallacy because the question isn't whether if there were no such thing as waiters. The question is how replaceable is your skill set? That's really all it comes down to. How much in demand is your skill set and how replaceable is it, right? So there's only one Brad Pitt, which is why he can make – $20 $20 million a film or George, uh, George Clooney or Tom Cruise, I mean, their skill set is not replaceable and it's in high demand. Uh, or if you look at the other end of the spectrum, my skill set is not replaceable, but my demand is not quite as high. Um, so, uh, so this just a, a matter of, of, of understanding uh, the economics of it. The question isn't, well, sure, if there were no waiters, there'd be no restaurants, I guess, although I guess you could have drive throughs but... The reality is that the waiters are eminently replaceable because anybody with legs, arms, and a basic grasp of English can be a waiter and uh, get all of the considerable tax benefits of tipping. So uh, so that's just something they don't – they look at – they say, well, if, if you take this cog out of the machine, the entire machine doesn't work, and therefore we should get more money. But uh, the question is, can you get another cog for two bucks, right? <laughs> and that's sort of uh, the case.
5: They, they, they tend to uh, not look strongly on uh, – human capital too um, and uh, they totally reject the the division of labor on top of that so I mean um, but yeah that's basically what I wanted to ask I just want to um, see what you thought about the, the whole dune thing um, but I'm pretty much done
0: alright well thank you it's uh, interesting and nice, uh, I was like doing a bit of the old economics so um, thanks and if anybody else has uh, questions, issues, comments problems Mad rank praise.
4: Okay, so... 1078. Tension part two? Uh Uh-huh. Um... Care to... Clarify a little bit what it was you were... Talking about there? I'm not sure. Uh, like... Like you, um... Uh... you were basically saying um, that we're sort of waiting around. We're supposed to wait around for something. Um, Sorry,
0: have to be a bit more clear than that. I know that I I know that I went into more detail than that. So uh, uh, (laughs) you could be a little
4: more clear about what you're asking. (laughs) Well, like I'm not sure if you were speaking specifically about. Um because uh, c- you were referring to people who um, who had gotten this far in the conversation, right so uh, I-, I wasn't clear whether the, the the thing that we're all waiting for is something big that's supposed to happen for FDR alone or for individual people or or what: Well, why don't we start with
0: how you felt when you listened to uh, the podcast?
4: um because you sound,
0: you sound irritated to me right that does that's just sort of my my thought
4: on it but uh no that's that's um that's 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 pretty fair I guess um more more um I don't know more more frustrated than irritated I guess would probably be a better way to put it because I remember you doing something like this back in the, in the 900s as well. And every, every time it, um, it just leaves me sort of like, okay, well, what? <laughs> right? Um,
0: well, you, you realize that you're, you're, you're trying to irritate me too, right? I mean maybe you don't right but i think it's not a criticism i'm just sort of pointing it out right because you're giving extraordinarily vague criticisms that can't be answered right
4: okay that that's true that's true
0: right so so it's like there's something weird about it we're supposed to wait for what i don't understand Answer that. I'm
4: like, uh, <laughs> okay.
0: I don't know. I mean,
5: <laughs> yeah. Right, that's, so your that's your
0: irritation right. is unprocessed, and you're trying to make me because uh, I feel irritated, and I think that's why. And it doesn't mean that that you know is anything wrong. That's just my, my experience, right? Right. Right. Like if I've if I've said something that's incorrect or inconsistent, then you can point it out, and we can figure out why and so on. Um, but just saying, you know, this left me frustrated because it was so vague. It, this, I don't know what what to do with that. If that makes sense.
4: Right, right, right. Well, yeah, that's sort of how I felt after 1078. I didn't know what to do with it.
3: Well, you said, he said, um, wait for it. You've been in it for two years. Um, It's going to come. And I was a little bit confused, too, with what it is. Yeah, it's
4: right around the corner. There's, you know, the vibrations in the water and on the glass of your you know the glass of water in, on your dashboard and all of that and it's like oh, okay <laughs> okay what all right
0: well what uh what did you think that the uh the central issue that i was addressing with tensions part one and two what did you think the what what do you think that the tension in the community how how was i categorizing that or 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 yeah how, how was i like what was the source of that in my opinion
4: the source of the tension? Yeah. In your opinion?
0: Right, because, because if, if, if that's not clear to you, then what's coming in terms of the breakthrough won't make much sense, right? And, and anybody who's listened to it, feel free to join in, and I'm sure it's a useful thing to talk about. But, but what was the source of the tension that I identified in my endless, rambling, long-winded kind of way?
4: Oh, I, I can't recall.
0: Well, yeah, because then if you don't know what the illness is, then the, the sort of diagnosis and cure won't make any sense, right?
4: Right. That's fair.
0: And th- that doesn't mean that, I mean, that just means that maybe I was completely confusing, but does um, anybody who, who's heard it, anybody want to take a random stab? Anyone? Class. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, uh, the issue, as far as I recall, the, um, the issue that I was talking about was that uh, uh, people were feeling tense because it was so easy to communicate FDR stuff that it was bringing their relationships into, uh, a, into a kind of scary focus, if that makes sense because right, it's so easy. There's, there's, there's like this right. everyday anarchy book, which is, which is short, it's free, it's accessible, it's, you know, and all of the other books that are now out for free that that you can send uh, any FDR materials to anyone, and you don't have to wait for them to plow through podcasts, rambling, and oh. so on. Right, the people are getting kind of tense because it's so easy to disseminate philosophy that the barriers to spreading it are so much lower that people are getting kind of tense about it.
4: Tense uh, because the barriers are lower so, uh, few because excuses. Of their be, because of their own personal relationships
0: well yeah i mean the, the the excuses to talk to people about philosophy or about anarchism or about whatever right uh the excuses are kind of lower, like we have a proof for anarchy, right. Which I think is pretty good and, you know, there's a video on it that I think is like 19 minutes long. This is not a hugely demanding thing to to ask someone to say, look at this free video where somebody steps through the proof for anarchy, which seems pretty airtight to me, right? Or listen to this two-hour free book that's entertainingly read and is good audio quality or you can get a free PDF and print it out if you want. Uh, This book, which talks about – opens up at least the possibility – that we have an ambivalent relationship with anarchy because we treasure it so much in our personal life and fear it so much politically, uh, isn't that a good place to begin a discussion, right? So the fact that there's end-user, consumable, self-contained arguments that are very powerful, that are available for the first time for free from FDR, is making people kind of tense, I think, right?
4: Yeah, that's a good point. And that explains my confusion, why I didn't quite remember what you thought the source was. Because it has no relevance to me.
0: Uh, righty. It's not that it has no relevance to you.
4: Well, uh, I mean, in the sense that, uh, I don't really have any personal relationships to be concerned about handing this stuff out to
0: Oh, Greg. Right. Oh, Greg. Oh, (laughs) Greg. Uh, I can think I can see where the irritation comes from. (laughs)
4: I could give you my copy. It's totally
0: uh, not true what you're saying, right? I mean, I understand that you believe that it's true, but it's totally not.
4: Well, what do you mean? Oh,
0: Greg's going to start with the dating soon, the dating soon, the dating soon. He's going to meet some girls and have to explain why he's insane. (laughs) Hi, I'd like to introduce this anarchist to my (laughs) mother-in-law.
4: Uh, I hadn't thought of that. That's a Greg's good
0: point. Greg's going to go for a job real soon, a job real soon, a job real soon. They're going to ask him what he does. He says he makes some bombs. <laughs>
4: I suppose. I suppose. I suppose that's
0: well, that's very generous of you, Greg.
5: <laughs> okay, I'll keep that well, fact,
4: as you call it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't see why. Well... I don't see why I would even bother bringing this up with an employer.
0: Uh, You not don't you know that people Google you?
4: If they Google me, um, I mean, I faced this. I faced this like two years ago,
0: right? I Mm -hmm. faced this like two years ago, right?
4: Yeah, sure, but the kind of jobs that I'm going to be applying for, they're not going to Google me.
0: Oh, Greg has a, got a crystal ball, a crystal ball, a crystal ball. Greg has got a crystal <laughs> ball. He's going to sit and break it. <laughs> okay. And even if we throw out the job thing, which I All don't right. think that we can guaranteedly do, because uh, they're going to ask you, what have you been doing for the past? I mean, a job interview is going to say, what have you been up to since your resume ended in a black, smoky void of anarchism a year ago?
4: And I'm going to say I've been uh, enjoying myself.
0: Right. And what have you been enjoying yourself with?
4: Oh, lots of things.
0: (laughs) Thank you for trying. But clearly he's been a drug mule, and I'm not sure that we want to hire him. (laughs) Right.
4: Right, right, right.
0: And there's still the dating thing, right? At some point, you're going to have to say, uh, although I don't have a beard, big bushy eyebrows like Arkansas ditch rats, uh, and I'm not throwing any bombs, I am, in fact, an A.
4: Right. Right, no, that's fair. And, um, I mean, that I'm already kind of... um, Getting prepared for. So uh,
0: you're a intelligent fellow, right? I think that we've established that. Um, so <laughs> why wouldn't you notice that? No, oh, notice. I don't have any personal relationships or anyone to talk about anarchism with. Hey, I wonder if that girl wrote <laughs> back to me from my internet site. <laughs> And the girl that you're interested in or who's interested in you or mutually interested in each other's uh, aspects, uh, this girl has uh, got a nice family and uh, – you know, so it's more than just anarchism, right? Wait, what? Well, she's, she says uh, that she's uh, come from a nice family and her parents are really good and you know, we have no reason to disbelieve her up
4: front. Right, right? right So right.
0: it's more than just the, the A word, right?
4: right? But – Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the connection you're trying to. Well, I mean, we have some pretty
0: specific theories about families, right? Right. Which is that uh, prior to a philosophical revolution that we're trying to carve here, it's pretty tough for families to be
4: ethical and consistent, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true.
0: So uh, I think that. Um, you say, "Well, I'm not going to have to live this double world because I don't have to live this double life because I have no other life, right?" But, but it's not true, right?
4: Well, it's um, <laughs> it's on the verge of being not true.
0: Yeah. Oh well if it's on the verge then nobody ever worries about that, right? I mean if somebody's pushing you towards a cliff (laughs) you don't sweat it till you drop, right? That's the whole point. So yeah, I think you're right.
4: That's nope, good point. Good point. No, definitely good point. Although, um, oh,
0: sorry, just just thinking, what you could do though, which might make it a little bit easier, is get a um, uh, a set of underwear with a picture of Paul Proudhon on the front, <laughs> and <laughs> right. she'll say, "Who's that?" Right. Funny, you should ask. My penis is an anarchist. You know, <laughs> that would be the way that you would approach it. That could be uh, could be helpful, and then of course you could, you know, get a huge fake mustache and put it on your penis, something like that. Uh, so a conversation piece that could lead you into it more gently, so to speak.
4: Right, 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 right. Yeah, that that would work, sure. Um, but that doesn't really answer the question of, um, uh, 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 of whatever this thing is that we're supposed to be waiting for.
0: Well, I, I think that it does, but, but maybe it doesn't. Really? Well, the thing that we're waiting, I mean, if the tension comes from a fear of talking about philosophy with other people, which is still very strong in the board, right? In the community as a whole. That's I true. mean, I am everybody's secret slut mistress from hell, right? And philosophy, <laughs> well, not me, but philosophy is the guilty secret, right? So if philosophy is the guilty secret that we're ashamed of and we view as a kind of uh, rotting sore in the nether regions that we have to cover up, um, that is strangely fun, uh, then what is the breakthrough, right? What is the next thing?
4: Um, That would be to not cover it up, right?
0: Well, that would be the action, but what would be the psychological breakthrough
4: well not to desire to cover up right
0: so instead of hiding under uh uh, under bushes when the uh, stampede of the general cultural livestock comes thundering past right instead of dodging out of the way and hoping not to get trampled what happens is we we mount up on the steed of philosophy and we round those cattle up and we hurt them where we want them to Go, right? <laughs> um, no. Uh, yeah. Where we take leadership positions with those around us with credibility and certainty and authority, that's the breakthrough. I'm not going to hide anymore. Damn it, this is what I'm proud of. This is what I'm excited about. This is what I'm thrilled about. And... Your oh, sure. hostility and fear I can certainly accept and I can understand, but I'm not going to let it stop me. In fact, I'm only going to have it help me spur on. Spur me on, right?
4: Right, right, right. Spur yourself on, right. Absolutely, but whether people follow behind you like sheep or cattle is... Um, I, I mean, that's... That's um, that's kind of... Uh, that, that that That's sort of antithetical to what we're trying to achieve, right? I mean people shouldn't be sheep or cattle. They should be independent. They should- but they're not,
0: <laughs> right? But they're not. And, and there's a social vacuum because historical answers, you know, patriotism, uh, the state, uh, to some degree the family and in particular um, the religion and so on, that, that all of these things have just kind of fallen away. And we live in a void of belief and there's quite a lot of nihilism around the most confident and certain person in that environment is going to be the one who wins. Because people can't think for themselves. They can only respond to the emotional and psychological cues of those around them. And if we hide philosophy like a guilty secret, like aristocratic porn, then it's going to be viewed as a dirty (laughs) secret, right? Whereas if we are proud and we do ride it like a white charger, then it's going to be viewed as something that is noble and wonderful. People will only see what we love as we see it. And if we look at it through their eyes with skepticism and horror and fear and indifference and it's crazy and it's, you know, whatever, right? Then that's how they're going to see it, right? But if we match perspectives with them with certainty and confidence, theirs will crumble for sure.
4: Right, that makes sense. And
0: that doesn't mean that everyone's then going to immediately become a philosopher. But it's going to bring (laughs) the... The tension is not within us, right? As I say in the podcast, the tension is in society between lies and the truth. The tension is in society. Like, as we said, when people go to talk with their foos, they feel terrified. But not because the fear is within. because The fear is in their parents. The fear is in the family unit, the family structure, right? And people will see philosophy as we see it when we're with them. Ah, when we're alone and we say, this is the wonderful best thing. Ooh, new Socratic, blah, 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 right? Great forum, then that's wonderful, but so we're preaching right. to the quiet, right? But when we go out into the world, if we say, oh, philosophy is the most absolutely essential, important, extreme, exciting, wild, challenging thing that I've ever experienced, and if we don't downgrade what it is that we love in the world as a whole, in the world at large, then they will believe what we believe, because they don't think for themselves. We hope that they can over time when they learn – But right now, uh, they can't judge philosophy. They can only judge how we judge philosophy.
4: Right. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Sure.
0: So for me, it's like, well, I didn't ask to be enlisted in this goddamn army, but now that I'm in, I'm going to fight to the death.
4: (laughs) Well, is that really um, reasonable, though? I mean – I mean, in, in one sense, you sort of did ask, right? Me?
0: God, no. I didn't ask. I mean, for myself. I mean, it doesn't mean I don't love it, but I sure as hell didn't sit there and say, hey, you know what would be really great? <laughs> it's if I just get complete. I feel completely fall head over heels in love with philosophy and uh, it causes me all of these stress and changes and can't have a real job. And, you know, and and the crazy talk thing where I just like, hey, you know, it'd be great if I stayed awake for 18 months pretty much and uh, uh, and ended up feeling like I was going to go insane and ended up coming up with the most beautiful sanity that could be imagined. And, I mean, that's just like I didn't sit there and pray for that or want that when I was younger. I'm very glad that it happened. But. Uh, I was just writing about this in, in the book that for me it wasn't like I didn't leap onto the shore with the courage of a fish wanting to evolve. It was just like philosophy. I just bit bit down on a worm and the hook yanked me out of the water, <laughs> sort of like that. <laughs> but given that that's what it is, I'm not – I'm going to – if I'm enlisted into this army, if I got drafted into this uh, to, to a large degree when I was younger and more recently against my will, okay, well, if I'm, in, if I'm drafted, I'm sure as hell not going to put down my weapon.
4: Right, right, right. Okay. And
0: from a cost benefit standpoint, if you don't get the beauty and joy of philosophy, which very few of us get, if any, before we are of quite a ways down the road, from a cost benefit standpoint, it's just mental. I mean nobody would choose this.
4: <laughs> right. Right. That's 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 for sure. But then that's that's I mean,
0: But we show the joy, right? Because if people can't see the joy, then they won't understand why we do it, right?
4: Right, 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 right.
0: So it's if we only right. show the fear and the alienation and the, the, the differences and the, the problems and the tension, and the, then people are like, well, that's just masochistic, isn't it, right? It's alienating, it's frustrating, it's confusing to people. There's long, awkward silences at the dinner party. It's hard to get a date with anybody who thinks you're sane. And the people who love you for being an anarchist and who don't understand it are even worse. Uh, so, like, But if they don't see the joy – so if we don't show the joy, right, then there's no ocean across the desert that people can get to. It just looks like a desert that goes on and on, right?
4: Right. But I mean if you – I think it would be even worse to put on a false front of joy – if you don't actually have that
0: you mean yeah but but you have the joy in fact, uh, it was not more than two weeks ago that you had the the joy through right
4: oh sure sure yeah 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 i I, I mean I'm so with you there about friends, right no no i'm I'm with you there for sure um but <laughs> no, I'm not sure what I'm trying but, to say. Well, what you're trying to say is, but
0: there's got to be something wrong with it. Like, give me a sec. <laughs>
4: <Right>. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. No, um,
0: uh. So if the cure is fear, right, then the breakthrough is a loss of fear, right?
4: Well, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. A cure is Fear.
0: Sorry, if, if if the tension is fear, sorry, if the oh. if the ailment is fear, then the cure is a is a breakthrough from fear.
4: Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. But 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 I I'm not sure I yeah.
0: <laughs> I like great spots and I cannot lie. Sorry, go on.
4: <laughs> but but I'm I I'm not I'm not um I mean, when you th- when I think about it, like in terms of cost benefit, I mean, there's not a whole lot for me to be fearing, right? I mean, um, well, let's take the, the the dating thing for example. I mean, who are these people on the net, anyway, to me now at this moment, right? The, they're just, you know, a face and a profile, right? So if I you know, tell them exactly what I'm interested in and uh, why I'm interested in it. And um, and they reject it in some way. So what? Right? There What's to the fear? right?
0: What's to fear? What's
4: to fear? Oh, Don't make me come over there.
0: <laughs> you know, I'm going to see you in less than a week. I can't smack you upside the head. <laughs> so we've gone from a year of I'm terrified to date to... What's to fear? (laughs) Oh, Greg! (laughs) Ah, Aneurysm! Oh, I'm flopping around like a fish on the bottom of a boat.
4: (sighs) Okay, yeah.
5: But
0: (laughs) what if I was really attracted to a mermaid who was a socialist but had anarchist leanings? Sorry, go on. (laughs)
4: Oh, No, no. I, I think um, I think that answers my question.
0: Excellent. <laughs> right. Okay. What, what I'm doing now is I'm just coming back in from the ledge. So this is good. I'm, i you know, because I was like, oh, if he has one more question. <laughs> but it's okay. Christina hooked me back in, and ooh, manacled. Nice. I'll be back in. Oh, never mind. We're done. Sorry
1: screen back on the window
0: put the screen back on the window that's
4: right (laughs) Uh,
0: any other questions
4: no that was it it was basically just uh, disgruntlement over 1078
0: excellent and uh, you gruntled
4: um, much have more. you been
0: disgruntled. Uh,
4: <laughs> much more gruntled than I was before.
0: Excellent. We have grunted. Excellent. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And uh, if anybody else had any other questions, I uh, oh thanks uh, again to Greg, Greg M. He's so dreamy uh, that um, uh, I really do appreciate the. We've got a lot of positive feedback from the dual video thing uh, because uh, it's a nice distraction from me digging in my ear with a fork or a chopstick to see somebody else talking. So uh, thanks again. And if you do have a listener convo, uh, please uh, get yourself a hold of a webcam. They're like 30 bucks, and uh, it would be great. We can do this uvoo, oovo com. You can install the client, and we can do actually up to six calls, uh, six-way calls. So um, if, you, uh, if you have a convo coming up, uh, grab a hold of a webcam. Some of the notebooks have them built in now as well, or... If you're really quick with an extra sketch, you can email me the pictures and we can sort of splice them in together. So, uh, if you do get a chance to do that, uh, it's pretty cool technology. A little bit unstable from time to time, but not too bad. So, we have time for another question. If anybody wants to give it a shot. Don't forget to pick up your copy of uh, Everyday Anarchy. It's a really nice, cute little book. Um, at uh, stores.lulu.com forward slash free domain radio. It's $8.99. It will not allow me to retire, but pretty much I retired a year ago, so that doesn't matter too, too much. And uh, last chance for a question, Going going twice, comments, issues. You can type them in the chat window if you do not have a microphone or a guy named Mike who will speak for you. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, so much for a wonderful Sunday show. I appreciate it. Uh, Very interesting and stimulating conversations, as always. And uh, I hope that you have yourselves a wonderful week. Uh, I don't think we have any scintillating calls coming up, thanks to those who joined in on the uh, um, Where Is My Career Going call yesterday. And um, uh, it was a very interesting conversation. Thank you so much to the fine gentleman who donated a goodly amount of money Uh, And uh, based on the conversation yesterday, I really, really do appreciate that. And uh, thank you to the fine lady who signed up this morning for a subscription. Um, That does give you access to the private webcam. And if you subscribe again, I will turn that access off, which I think is actually worth the money even more. So uh, thank you again so much to the people who donated uh, in um, – uh, in May, uh, if you if you have not donated in May, but you sort of feel like you kind of need to, if you could not wait until the end of June, that would certainly help me do podcasts slightly less clenchy uh, for myself because it's always nice to be able to relax a little earlier in the month with the uh, the income, uh, which because you know I kind of give up the book income right for for this, uh, and it's helping in terms of getting people in, but uh, uh, you know if I could have the books out there, you know fifty five hundred plus um, uh, went out this month. Um, if you could, uh, uh, you know, donate uh, or donate time or money, uh, help publicize the books. There's a freedomainradio.com/referral tool. Thanks again to James for um, uh, helping save me from my COBOL coding habits. But um, you can go to that. You can send the the books around. They're all free. Uh, it's non obligatory to people. Uh, you can send the um, feeds around. Uh, you can send the uh, the videos around, and so on. So anything that you can do to help spread. Uh, philosophy to people I think will be enormously satisfying to you and uh, money to me, uh, time to get people interested in particular podcasts or books or the site as a whole, hugely hugely appreciated and I think the sacrifices, to some degree we can call them sacrifices that we're all making to help spread this amazing conversation to people will be amply rewarded by having high schools named after us in the future. So uh, thank you everybody so much and uh, we will try and record some of the barbecue so that you can get Uh, The sights and sounds of me uh, bursting into flames and running around screaming like the aforementioned Japanese schoolgirl. So thank you again so much for a wonderful, wonderful life and a wonderful, wonderful week. And I will talk to you guys soon.